Welcome to the Rambling Viking. I am your host, producer, and special guest. You guessed it, folks. The Viking. The Rambling Viking, to be exact. And you guessed it. What are we going to do? We're going to ramble a little bit today. So, before I get started, I'd like to give those who are new to my podcast a little preview and almost a disclaimer about what it is. So, it's a, an opinion-based podcast. Let me say that one more time. Opinion-based podcast, folks. So, what that means is, this is my opinion. Now, I do try and be educated and use facts to form my opinion, and I also try and listen to both sides and play both sides, and I've kind of experienced both sides because I had a time through college where I went through a little kooky phase, but... That's beside the point. Moving forward, I, uh, I am a Viking, and I'm very opinionated, and I feel pretty strongly about my opinion. This being said, if you disagree with me, that does not mean I hate you. I actually, uh, some of my closest friends, we have disagreements about how we feel on uh, big issues. And I actually had a conversation with one of my buddies the other day where he had um, really a different opinion. And... The beauty of it is we're both reasonable and understand like, oh, this doesn't mean I hate you as a person, but let's talk about it and, you know, we can talk about our ideas in an amicable way. Here, though, it's not really what it's about. It's more of a pillage and plunder type game plan where I'm going to pillage and plunder these ideas um, that are held in a certain uh, mindset that I think is dumb and inappropriate, and that, that's generally the case, and I'm going to just bash that, really, over the head with an axe. Metaphorical axe, not a literal one. However, uh, I do want to let you know I always have my trusty ale horn full of mead. It's actually just water. Don't tell anybody. Because I don't have any mead, but mead is delicious. It is the drink of the Vikings. Um, that being said, folks, so if there are some of you who end up listening to this and you say, man, I really disagree with him. I really don't like the guy. I don't think he's a good guy. And I need to, I need to let him know. Well, there's a way you can do this. I happily accept, accept fan mail. Um, now I will say this, if you, if you want to let me know how wrong I am, how bad I am or whatever, please don't hesitate. Grab a nice crisp sheet of stationery. Cause like I said, I'm a Viking. So I work with a little bit older standards here, write out all your thoughts on why you think I'm evil and wrong and mail it to 1001 Fannin street, F A N N I N. Houston, Texas, zip 77002. One more time, it's 1001-1001, Fannin Street, F-A-N-N-I-N, Houston, Texas, 77002. And uh, you can send it there. Um, Don't feel like you have to do it priority or overnight. Don't spend extra money. It's not worth it. But, um, yeah, the there the CEOs and execs or the execs of Waste Management, I'm sure they'll know uh, how to dispose of that hot garbage properly Um, and hopefully get it recycled if it's, if it's paper so we can, you know, reuse it for something that's actually useful. Anyways, moving forward, let's talk about what we're going to ramble about today. So just a little breakdown of the show. We're going to probably go about 30 to 40 minutes. That's what I, I try not go over 45. And uh, I have a little rundown. So I've already done the welcome, the disclaimer, and uh, the hate mail disclaimer. Well, first, we'll start with something that a uh, little segment, uh, it's a pet peeve segment of mine, um, well, I'm switching it to, calls, uh, what dulls my axe? And then we'll move on to the main, uh, the main part of the podcast, or the, uh, the voyage, as I like to call it, 
And um, we were set sail in our metaphorical flying Dutchman across a sea of intellect to um, discover some new lands or at least shed light on some lands and pillage and plunder those that I think are dumb. Ideas. Then we'll have a quick word from the sponsors. Um, We have another fun bit that's uh, an over-the-top bit. And lastly, I always end with a Viking tale of uh, the day, which is a personal story of mine. Um, may not always involve me directly, but it's of some com- coming from my life. So without, without further ado, I'm going to quit boring you with this, uh, with this pregame intro speech because uh, Vikings usually didn't do much of that. They had their game plan. They knew what they were supposed to do. They're supposed to run in. They're supposed to own stuff. They're supposed to take what they want and get out. So that's what we're going to do. Let's get going, folks. What dulls my axe? I'll tell you what dulls my axe is this little anomaly, phenomena of when you're at a red light and the car in front of you, the car next to you, or whatever, and the red light's not anywhere close to changing. Like the other, and uh, cars start to creep forward. You know, they'll oh, creep a little bit, creep a little bit, creep a little bit. Now I'm not talking about like right before it changes, people start creeping. I'm talking the, the, <laughs> the cross street traffic has just got the left turn, the double left turn lane. So you have a whole cycle. You have their, sh- their green lights to go where they can go. And then you have your left turn lights, depending on the intersection. And then you can go. You know why this pissed me off so bad? So what really, really gets me about this is people creep and... F- to me, I take it as I'm creeping forward because I'm going to change the light. Like, oh, oh, I'm creeping. You know, it's going to change fast. It's not going to do a dang thing. All it does is make the person behind you creep forward, then the person behind you creep forward. And you know what? I'm perfectly intent holding and staying in my position until the green light gives me the go to charge. And I don't want to move. And so what really gets on my nerves is then if I'm three or four back and this happens in the first car, he creeps forward and boom, now he's in the crosswalk. Wow, so now you're impeding pedestrians. That's a double whammy right there. Then the person behind you, it's a chain reaction. People just, oh, 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 he's creeping, he's creeping, he's creeping. Some people, some idiot might think, oh, we're going and actually at the gas, not paying attention because they're texting. And now you just caused an accident. So I hope you're happy. But <clears throat> I hate it because then I've probably got good distance, and especially if there's traffic, and then, the, then this creates about a car length gap depending on how far they creep from me to the car in front of me. And so now I look like the butthole if I... I don't creep forward. My thing is, I don't want to creep forward. I want to go when the light's green. I don't need... This is getting us nowhere. All this is doing is making people move a little bit to go any further. It's like when people are in a line and they, and they crowd and push forward. And it's like, dude, the line's not going to move any faster because you're all up in my business. Get off my butt. Give me a little bit of breathing room. I'm not trying to get all sweaty because we're all huddled in here like sardines. Stop. Just stop. And I understand sometimes, look, Sometimes my foot isn't on the brake as hard as I thought it was, cause, and I get sidetracked, and so I creep a little bit, but I hit my brake immediately. You know, and that happens. I'm going to acknowledge that happens. But we all know there's people that are, like, halfway paying attention, and then all of a sudden they just uh, creep forward a little bit. And it's like, why are you even doing this? If you're paying – so first of all, when you're driving, I'm a very, very observant driver and very, very calculated. Like, I'm thinking about, like, all right, I'm coming up on this car. Can I get over? Can I get around? Like, what are the cars in front of me doing? What are the cars around me doing? Am I coming up on an intersection? I'm going to let off the gas and coast so I don't have to brake as hard. Like, I'm pretty calculated. And so I'm going to say I don't expect everybody to be that way. But I think, I think if people just gave it a little bit more attention and we reverted back to 
pre-texting and driving days and like just calm down, just let it wait. But we've turned into this culture where it's like we want to we have to be doing four things at once. I've fallen in this this epidemic of like, oh, I, I'm on I'm gonna turn the TV on. Oh, and I'm gonna play this game on my phone. I should also pull my computer up because I wanna browse through Amazon. It's like, no, your brain doesn't work that way. And I actually end up getting less. I, I get instead of getting all three of those, I get almost all none of those. And so now I've accomplished nothing. I've essentially just sat there and just bounced from screen to screen. Oh, you know what this probably also does? This probably propagates ADD because it, it it messes with your attention span. You're you're used to bouncing around, so you can't focus on one thing at a time. Wow. I just solved a major social issue, and it all stems from people creeping forward at red lights. But, folks, I did not mean to do that, but that's what this podcast is about. It's about a little bit of rambling, a little bit of ranting and raving. There's my, uh, my venting for the day on yahoos or wackadoos and jack wagons creeping forward at red lights like it's going to change it any faster. It's not, unless you're way back behind the stop line, you're not on the sensor. Different story, but most of them have camera sensors now, too. Um, so, yeah, can we just stop with that? It just it adds an extra thing to driving. It's unnecessary. It's stupid, and it's it just gets on my nerves, folks. I don't know why. It just bugs me. But that's what really dulls my acts, uh, and I hate when that happens to me. It happens to me all the time, so I usually just have to turn my music up and just try and jam a little bit harder. But we'll get on to the big matter at hand. And so, folks, prep the ship. Grab your men, set your oars, set your sails, find which direction the wind is going, because it is time to set sail on our voyage into the main topic of today, and that is gentrification. So I I tend to bounce around, so I'm going to try and structure this a little bit, but gentrification, and uh, let me say this, how I think it's totally blown out of proportion and kind of nonsense as far as it's posed as an evil. So I'll get into that, though. Gentrification, what is it, first of all? Not everybody knows what gentrification is. So I have uh, an actual Google, got to Webster, and this is what it said. The process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to the middle class taste. Or, second definition, the process of making a person or activity more refined or polite. So basically, it's like making something nicer. At the Just the definition of the word is upgrading something, is... Um, now, I'll tell you what, it, what it's kind of turned into. So gentrification has turned into this concept. And um, until I was reading articles the other day, I didn't, I didn't think of it as a, really a political statement. That's really what it is. And where it's you'll have a low-income, kind of impoverished neighborhood, not so nice. Um, and then what will happen is, for some reason, you'll have, mm, you'll have companies start buying up housing and renovating, and then you, have a, you kind of have a flood of, of higher-income people, middle, middle class, upper class um, people, and so the neighborhood gets totally renovated, and you have a bunch of new people move in. Houses are getting sold and renovated and turning really nice. You have businesses opening up, and, and that's what happens. But I'll tell you how that's, that's kind of like – that's even not the full extent of the definition. How it's seen nowadays, it has a very, very, the word has very negative connotation. If you just go around and say, yeah, gentrification happened in this neighborhood, the reaction you'll generally get is, oh, oh no, not gentrification. And it's like, hold on, hold on, why? Because I heard gentrification, and I was like, oh man, that sucks. Gentrification is generally seen as rich white people pushing out poor minority people and 
um, putting them on the streets more or less because what happens is uh, they start buying up houses, buying up property, and so it raises the value of this neighborhood. And then what the landlords of these people, these poor minority groups will do, they'll raise the rent, and then that ultimately pushes them out because they can't afford to live there, and so now they're out on the streets. And this, that right there, that is the most common definition, or at least even if people don't realize they're thinking of all of that, but that's what's behind the word. And that's what comes to mind when people are talking about it. And that is, that is the reason why this word, you saw what the original definition I said, and then even kind of where I see it and what it's actually viewed as in the populace. And that is, can we just say that, that like, that's ridiculous. People are in the business of, and when I say people, I mean like groups, giant groups are in the business of blowing things out of proportion. We love to do it. And especially nowadays with all those social justice nonsense that happens all the time. I'm not, and I'm, look, I'm not saying there's social discrepancies and racism doesn't exist because these are all very real things. I just think things get blown out of proportion. I, and I think we don't stop and think things through and say, is this actually good or bad or what is the extent of this evil? And we just like to say words and be like, well, fight for justice, but we really don't know what we're even talking about or fighting for. So that's, that's really what, that's what gets me and that's what I'm trying, what I would like to set straight. So is it actually a process where rich white people push out poor minorities? I did a little bit of research on this. Um, and first of all, economically, it's kind of an anomaly to see this on like a grand scale. Um, you've seen it. I mean, there were, there were some neighborhoods in, in New York City, Washington, D.C., and some other like Portland or something like that, or Chicago. I think it was Chicago, right, where this happened. And like you had a really poor neighborhood had all this money dumped into it, and you had a, kind of an exodus. But other than those large-scale things, you really don't see it that much. From doing my research, um, first of all, I want to say, is this such a bad thing? And I was like, no, I don't think so. I want to say this, too, that you're always going to have people on the short end of the stick. So I think we need to learn to realize, like, look, is this more good, have a utilitarian point of view, the most good for the most amount of people. Is, this, is it better for this to happen or is it worse? Does it hurt more people than it helps or does it help more people than it hurts? And um, in general, I'm on the side of, I, think, I don't think gentrification is really that bad. A, I don't think it's that prevalent anymore, but I don't think it's that bad. I think it really only helps places. And what really gets me is the people you hear complaining about gentrification and talking about this great evil of gentrification is are usually the people that enjoy the fruits of gentrification the most. So what I'm talking about is, as I've talked to, and I'm going to kind of get a little bit stereotypical here, but generally it's people, kind of kind of hipsterish people, a lot of hippie people um, that, I, that I've heard this from. This is my personal experience. It's anecdotal, folks. Don't take it too far. And they'll talk about, man, gentrification, this place used to be so cool. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, because let me let me give you, some context here. I live in a place that is, you could say, currently being gentrified and been being gentrified for the past eight years or so. And you know what? I think it's pretty awesome. We're having a ton of all the houses, which a lot were run down, really, really crappy. I actually, my house next to mine is actually abandoned still. So, but I think in the next, within the next five years, it'll be bought up. It'll be completely remodeled and you'll, it'll have a really, really nice home. Um, so what I see happening is I see these neighborhoods being really nice, and this it's uh, I live in a plaza, the plaza district, and the plaza where all the shops are, kind of the main drag. You've had all these awesome places come up: local pizza places, local food, 
um, a couple bars, some like tree and leaf type shops where it's like handmade stuff. This awesome, this awesome yoga place that's six dollars. Drop in classes, and you see all this cool stuff. And these people complaining are the same people that they hang out there constantly. And I'm like, first of all, can we just call you a flat out hypocrite? You can't, you can't enjoy, you can't enjoy the consequences of something and then complain about that thing. Like, come on, double standard. Hello, man. Gentrification's so bad. Let's go to over here in a gentrified neighborhood and have a gentrified cup of coffee. You and you know what? A lot of those people even kind of live in this area. So, like, shut your mouth. Stop it. Um, sorry, got a little sidetracked there on my gentrification, but that's where that's that's where we kind of stand on things. And I just want to say, I want to kind of kill the connotation of of the word. I don't I don't think it is so bad. I'm trying to stay on track here with where where we're where, what I'm talking about. Is it that bad? So let's look at it. Let's look at it. We have a neighborhood, and said neighborhood is kind of run down. So what happens is, for whatever reason, people, this neighborhood all of a sudden wants to go through, and someone's like, I'm going to buy this house. I'm going to renovate it. I'm going to sell it. And then people are like, oh, wow, stuff's happening over here. Let's start dumping money over here. And then next thing you know, you have a really nice neighborhood. And generally in these neighborhoods, when, the, when this happens, when people start moving in and out, and money gets poured into places, crime goes down. Because people are pouring money, so it, they want it to be safer, so it's going to be, you're going to have, in, in dingier neighborhoods, there's not as much upkeep and things, so you can get away with things, but in nicer neighborhoods, you know, it's usually very well lit, and there's, there's lots of foot traffic, and so it's harder for these things to happen. And you have, you'll have businesses, in this instance, I have, you've had lots of local businesses open up and are booming. I mean, booming. These are local businesses. And so I, you sit there and you look at it and you say, wow, this is awesome. But what generally the thought is, is that, oh, now we have all these people that are homeless. And I want to clear something up. First of all, I don't think, I think it's a big stretch to say, oh, all these people get homeless. Like, it's not like, oh, I can't pay the rent anymore. I guess I'm going to live on the streets. No, there's, go find housing in a place you can afford. Yeah, it sucks to move, but I think it's ridiculous to be like, yeah, we just uh, made 10,000 people homeless because we just kicked them out of their homes. Like, stop. No, that's not what happens. Um, another thing that people don't take into account with this on is it so bad is look at the other side of things. So de-gentrification. So this has happened. I was reading an article, and this happened in a place like – so this actually – this happened – this is really kind of in the entire city of Detroit um, where they're, they're selling houses for $1,000. Houses for $1,000 just to try and get it sold, get it renovated. So de-gentrification is actually when there's no up- – uptrend in the in the value of anything and and it gets so bad that people actually just start leaving and no one wants to come back so then you end up with a ghost town neighborhood all houses abandoned and what happens then is you have homeless people crackheads um squatters and gangs whatever else and they come in here and they'll just you know utilize these abandoned houses it actually makes place worse so first and foremost gentrification is it bad maybe and there there could be i'll say this downside potential downside to it but I think the the opposite of it is way, 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 way worse. Like there's a they did a study on the Kansas City neighborhood, and they looked at it and it like uh, it degentrified and like people. Problem with that is nobody wants to live there. So like you'll have people be like, oh, let's renovate it, and they'll try, and it just won't work out because people won't buy into it. So it's it's even harder than you're even more behind the eight ball at that point. Um, with trying to revive it. So it's like, it's really kind of dead to rights. And uh, so we'll say the contrary is worse. 
Well, what about, people will say to me, what about Viking? What about if it just stays the same? So then you have, you have this culture here and things like that. And I don't know where this idea comes from of associating. It's almost like, oh, if you pour any money into anything, then it loses all sense of culture. I think you can actually build a culture. And I'll tell you right here in the place I live, that's actually what happened. You built this super cool culture and it's actually very, I mean, they're all very kind of economic. uh, They're all kind of uh, green minded. So they want, you know, they want to recycle. They want to source locally they want you know they want good stuff they want they want they're environmentally minded there we go environmentally conscious um as opposed to let's say this didn't happen at all well nothing really changed um you wouldn't have all these booming businesses it wouldn't be a you wouldn't have people flooding here on the weekends and evenings to come and do stuff and see all the cool art because there wouldn't be any art um i don't know if i would live here and, you know, crime would probably be a lot worse than it is, and houses would be nice. So I, I'm, I'm just struggling to see where it's worse, where it, where it is actually a worse scenario. And I can't come up with anything right there. So we have degentrification is obviously the worst option. So we'll say, look, I'd rather have gentrification. Um, but I just don't think it's you know, that bad. I'm going to pull up this article real quick. So um, looking at it from an economist standpoint, another thing people don't think about is they look at, they look at these specific situations, but they forget for something to be empirically true, it's always significant statistical difference. So you're always looking at, like, I did a lot of, I did research in college and I was research assistant. You never just look at an experimental group and then if you see some sort of change, you're like, oh yeah, this totally works, you know? If I put people on a diet and they lose weight, be like, oh yeah, this totally works. No, no, no. I have to have a control group of people who don't change anything. I compare, I look at the difference, and then you run some t- statistics and you'll do, you know, t-test or whatever you do, and you'll see if there is, um, you'll get a number, and it'll say, if a number's over a certain value, it'll tell you, it means that there is a significant difference. And that's what people haven't looked at. So I was reading up, and they were saying, look, one economist said, hey, you can't forget about, nobody looks at places where gentrification doesn't happen. They don't look at people movement where it doesn't happen. And so they say, if you actually compare the two as far as, like, people movement from, uh, in gentrifying areas, or you know, I'll say in quotes, in gentrifying areas, in areas where stuff's being upgraded, versus non-gentrifying areas, is really about the same. There's not, there's not a, there's almost no difference. So that kind of debunks it right there. And sure, that's just one case, but he's, it's coming from an economist, and um, he's definitely coming from. And no, I'm not going to worry about giving you the source because, like I said, this is an opinion page, so I can, I can honestly just say whatever I want, but I'm not going to. Um, so now the next question is, well, what about, you know, what about the, the idea of, well, it's rich white people pushing out poor minorities? Mm, not so much the case. Actually, I've, I found a very interesting finding that, um, that actually gentrification a lot of times skips over. They're looking at specifically uh, black neighborhoods and actually skipped over them. Like it actually makes it less, like they're, they're less of a targus, target, target. So, um, and they looked at significant changes, and this would, the study was done between 1970 and 1990, and he found that um, when compensation of black neighbors would change, it wasn't because whites were moving in. That actually rarely happens. It was Latinos. So it wasn't even white people, the white, white devil, 
coming in and doing that. It was a Latino population. So it wasn't even... And a lot of times it actually made the neighborhood better and you didn't see a lot of movement from uh, black residents and you saw everybody, everybody did better from having some diverse and bringing in some different aspects. Um, yeah, the, the bigger problem is that gentrification actually, it doesn't hurt black neighborhoods. Like most people want you to believe it more often than not bypasses them. So there's a, these Harvard sociologists, they, um, They've shown that neighborhoods that are more than 40% black actually gentrify much more slowly than other neighborhoods. So this actually kind of flips a question of, of a racial disparity. The racial disparity isn't that rich white people are pushing out black, poor black people out of their neighborhoods and putting them on the streets. It's actually that they're not doing that. They're not coming in. Well, sorry, not doing that. No, that's not a good thing. I don't want that to happen. Um, it's actually that if, if a neighborhood is predominantly black, it's less likely to receive the benefits of gentrification and see upgrading and businesses open up, houses being redone. Um, and so there, if, if you want to, if you want to cry, you know, racial disparity or social justice, that's where you need to cry. Like, that's not okay. Like, why are we skipping over um, black neighborhoods? Like that's no, we should all, I think, you know, we should benefit. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. So there, there's the real disparity in terms of race. If you're, if you're going to look for one, um, yeah, so that actually that actually is more of a sign of like a social segregation and an inequality in the American society than any than the actual idea of gentrification. So <clears throat> let's agree to kind of drop this nonsense almost distraction that is you know calling for the for rich white people's heads on this concept that really doesn't even happen has really only happened in the last 40 years in three major cities but other than that it doesn't happen on a large scale it's very minute and you know let's actually look at it and say i think it's i think all in all i think it's better for a neighborhood to have money poured into it have houses redone and businesses pop up but it comes back to it folks look someone is always going to be on on the short end of the stick like and there's always, like, you can't always make everybody happy. Not everybody likes you. But that's, that's what makes progress, you know, is that if we all thought the same way, we'd all probably be in an endless cycle and loop of some idiocy. But since we all have slightly different experiences and we all think a little bit differently, then we can, you know, share our ideas and thoughts. And that's how, that's actually how this great nation was founded. Was we had people who disagreed with what they were governed by. And a lot of the founding fathers, they had fundamentally different ideas on things, but they all came to compromise and realized that, you know, not one is necessarily singularly better than the other, but you can do a combination and you can come to a happy medium. And that's generally, that's generally the best option. Same with thought, you know. It's better to lie on, when you're looking at schools of thought, somewhere in the middle you know, any conversation, nature versus nurture in animals. Well, you know, what's always the answer? Is it one or the other? It's kind of a happy mixture. Every freaking time. We know. Why even try and build up the question like it's not going to be that answer? Um, but it's good to practice saying, you know, maybe it's more than the other, but which is which and, and knowing. So that's, uh, but that's my, my thoughts on gentrification and I, how I think, you know, we could better focus our, our efforts Somewhere else, and possibly the fact that why are we not gentrifying uh, black neighborhoods? In the sense of why are we not, when I say gentrifying, I mean improving. So improving through renovations on housing. I'm not talking about, I don't want to go in and turn a black neighborhood white or, or turn a black neighborhood Asian. And I don't even like using these terms I'm using right now because I hate labeling based upon that and big group generalizations because um, I think everybody's different. I'm trying to look at people with people, but... These are, these are facts that I have to, you know, kind of face. But I'm talking about 
bringing some money in and increasing property values because that's going to throw uh, that's going to send crime down, crime rates down. So I think it's just uh, better. All right, I'm starting to ramble a little bit, not in the good way. So that's what that's where I that's where I stand on gentrification. I think it's a little bit of nonsense and. Um, I don't think it's so bad after all, folks. Now, I'm not going to say that there aren't bad scenarios. Don't get me wrong there. All right. Now, a word from our sponsor. Okay. And there was uh, the awkward silence. That is uh, the gap where we would put a sponsor, Phil, if I had any. But uh, (laughs) no sponsors. Um, all right. Thanks, sponsors. Well, we're going to move on, and we're going to move into, I think, w- my best invention on, on this show as far as a bit goes, and it is the way too much, but that's why we love it over the top item of the day, or for short, you can call it the T-W-T-M-B-T-W-W-L-I-O-T-T-I-O-F-T-D. Do you get that? <laughs> Basically, I uh, this is going to consist of, I found a... Uh, some great Yelp reviews, also some Amazon reviews. It's gonna, so it's going to start out, you know, I'm just going to read really, really funny, over-the-top, just out-of-control reviews. So that's uh, today we're doing a Yelp review by Connor B. And uh, it's a five-star review of Pie 5 Pizza. And when I say this is extensive, I mean this could probably pass with an A- minus in a ninth grade English course for uh, an essay analyzing um, food, if that was your topic. So, you know, shoot, this would probably even pass in college if if we're being real nowadays and where standards have fallen. But here we go, folks. Time for the review. Everyone, I have confirmation of alien life. Pi 5 has taken the tried and true earthling idea that is the Subway sandwich creation and gone out of this world with it. Thanks entirely to Pi 5, the galaxy around us knows that pizza can be expertly crafted by human hands with the freshness and cooking procedure of Martian owners. The fact that the alien life forms have taken such pride in assimilating to our earthly ideas of independence and making things in any way you want it is truly awe-inspiring. It starts with the crust. Oh, the crust. It is mesmerizing and an all-around beauty of a flavor delivery system. It creates opportunity for both wondrous sauce-absorbing for a soft, tender crust and a firmness that can maintain the weight of all the endless topping options at your fingertips. Their options for meats and proteins is something that was thought to be of science fiction before today. Even still, as I look across the numerous options, I find myself falling into what feels like a black hole of never-ending options that is begging to be experimented with. Once I find my way out like Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar, I then turn my attention to the veggies. The options here remain as wide open as the cold, hard reality of floating in the abyss of outer space with only an astronaut suit. But the feeling of awaiting pizza allows you to know that floating on will have a payoff bigger than the U.S. landing on the moon in 1969. So then I've broken down the options. Let me tell you about the best pizza you or your descendants will ever eat. I call it the humblest. It starts with the classic pan crust style so all the toppings and sauce have an entire valley to spread along and call home. Next up is the barbecue sauce. This sauce tastes as if you were eating a shooting star in liquid form. 
It is warm and comforting, all the while making you realize that every wish you ever made will come true. The meat for the humblest can only be the finest free Martian range chicken. No other substitutes or options will do. The vegetables are as follows, and you must stay in it this precise order or the entire pizza the entire thing will turn into an entirely delicious but not humble pizza you have to say bell peppers then caramelized onions not the other way around folks the onions give you a flavor kick equivalent to taking a belly flop from an olympic sized high dive while the bell peppers will catch you at the bottom and immediately tuck you into your childhood bed do all of this in that exact order, and you too will realize that you may just be the humblest person eating, eating the humblest pizza that is known to exist, both human and alien. Now it is time for me to tell you about a treasure that puts the Holy Grail, the lost city of El Dorado, and whatever Nicolas Cage kept looking for, national treasure, to utter shame. Pie Five's wings. These wings... Completely vex even the most articulate scholars as they look for adequate adjectives to describe these impeccable morsels of next dimension deliciousness. If you can hold yourself back from leaving nothing more than a pile of bones on your plate as any friends or family you brought with you begins to think you must be a werewolf in disguise, you may want to search out your nearest werewolf clan and request that they turn you immediately so you can enjoy these wings the way they were meant to be enjoyed with reckless abandon and a complete lack of humanity. My wife says they have fantastic breadsticks and cinnamon sticks, too. <laughs> there you have it, folks. That is a five-star. Totally way too much, but that's why we love it. Totally over-the-top item of the day, courtesy of Connor B., and that's Pie 5. If you've never had Pie 5, I highly recommend it. It is basically... Subway, but with pizza, and it's way fresher than Subway and still new enough that the chain, you know, holds some standards to their foods. It's not sitting out and have weird colors or, or uh, flavors to it. I've had it a few times. It's so good, and you can get it exactly how you want it. So, uh, God bless America. <laughs> that was our uh, totally over the top. Dang it. No, that was our way too much, but that's why we love it. Totally over top item of the day. And now... Last but definitely not least, we're going to tell the Viking tale of the day. So last week I told a funny little story about my sister running into a pole. This week is about me. So a little backstory for this. We're going to sit, uh, get, get next to the campfire. We've had a hard day of battle through this podcast, but we're going to top it off with a nice campfire Viking tale. <clears throat> I was about nine years old, and uh, my dad... He's a vet. He owns the vet clinic, and we actually live right behind it. So it goes vet clinic, parking lot, my house. So from the age of nine until I left the house for college, I worked. So about a decade, I worked every day. I worked on holidays, Sundays, days were closed. I mean, I worked at this vet clinic. So I I basically, my entire childhood can be summed up by scooping poop and cleaning cages and... uh, (laughs) But I'm, I'm glad for it. It made me a hard worker, um, not to get too off track. So that's just that gives you a little bit of setting here. So love animals, see lots of animals, but uh, like always, I got to go over and I got to work. And what that consists of usually on Sunday mornings is go over there, let the dogs out. I clean all the cages. I give them food. Dogs go to the bathroom outside, hopefully not inside, and I bring them back in. I clean the cat cages, make sure all the, the sick dogs are doing all right, and then uh, that's it. Well... 
I've always had this fascination with bull terriers. If you've never seen a bull terrier, look it up right now. Stop listening to me. Pause this. Look it up. Get a picture in your mind. Basically, so they're like um, they're like a short pit bull. I mean, they're maybe two two and a half feet tall, but they're thick. They're kind of they're they're thick and muscular. They have this almost this angled shaped head. It's almost like a cone shaped head, and these these uh these slits for eyes. And they're usually full white, but they some have, sometimes have some spots on them. But I was like, that's always just a, it's a funky looking dog. And uh, I like different things. So I was like, man, bull terriers are so neat. Like, I think it'd be cool to have them. Like, they're just, they're goofy looking. It cracks me up and I love it. Well, we were fortunate enough to, we had, this is the only, I think the only bull terrier I ever saw come through here. And contrary to its name being bull terrier, super duper nice. Because I actually see the true sides of dogs. Um... Because what owners don't realize is that they're different dogs when you're not around and they're in a strange place. So their true nature comes out. Either they're like, oh, someone who's feeding me and wants to love me, I love you. Or they're like, where am I? I'm going to kill everybody. And, and try and bite you and stuff. And that's a pain. But this, uh, we had a bull terrier. And I was like, awesome. And uh, I, I don't remember how this even happened, but I think he, he like got out of his cage or something, or I let him out of his cage, and I shut the door. He was the last dog because I wanted to pet him and play with him. And this dog was really, 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 really nice, really friendly. And so I opened the door, and, um, and, I, and I was at the other end of the room. I had to leave the room, so I shut the door. So he's in there just running free, and I, I go back, open the door, and I'm like, yeah, whatever his name was. Uh, <laughs> Gerald, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, and he runs at me all excited. Well, this is where I messed with the bull, so I got the horns um, unintentionally, and this dog didn't mean to do it. But this dog, where his height was and how he jumped, you can probably guess where his head, and his head is massive and it's heavy and it's hard, but he speared me straight in the crotch. I mean, full sprint, probably had a 15-foot run-up of just, yeah, long jump, straight in the crotch. <laughs> it wasn't out of animosity, but I dropped down like a rock and was like, oh, oh this, is, this, is how I, this is how I die. You know, because every time a guy, as a guy, you get hit there, you think you're going to die. Like, it's over. Like, I, I'm at least never having kids again, but you, you can usually recover. But it was just the ultimate turn of events. Went from the ultimate happy to like, yeah, I'm getting to play with a bull terrier. It's going to be awesome. And he's thinking, yeah, I get to play with a person, get some attention. It's going to be awesome. And ultimate backfire, straight in the nuts. I go down, and I'm just like, oh, and he's just licking my face because he doesn't even realize what happened. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> what's going on? This is awful. So that was my short-lived, uh, exciting experience with a bull terrier. I still love the dog, and I play with him later, like the next day and stuff. is super nice. I just didn't make that mistake again of not – realizing that he was that height and it was that perfect for him to just, you know, when he jumps at me because he wants to jump on me with excitement, he's also going to maim me, folks. So guys out there, be cautious of where your waistline are and where the dog's height are relative to you. Um, This always seems to happen to me. I get dogs and they want to jump on me and it's always just like paw to the crotch. And I'm just, why is this, why is this, why is this our curse? Is this what we have to deal with as guys? But... Ladies, um, I know it hurts for you to get hit in that area, but it's just not the same. Not the same at all, but that's our Viking tale of the day. So eat hearty, clean up. It was a tough battle today, but I think we got through it okay. It was a little jumbled at moments. Things things seem disorganized, but I feel pretty good about it, and I hope you do. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, those few listeners that I have currently, and uh, prospecting future listeners, I hope you enjoy this. But end of the day, I'm not in it to 
to get famous or anything, that would be a cool bonus. But I, I, I have to be realistic here. There's a bazillion podcasts, and I'm probably not going to get that famous out. So I haven't come out with an intro tagline, so I'm just going to kind of ramble into the distance. Hopefully you stop the podcast by now. But if you're still listening, thanks. Have a great day. I don't want to use that tagline. Thanks. Go conquer the day. Enjoy your pillage and plundering. Not literal. I don't condone that. I'm talking in metaphorical senses or just a playful sense. But uh, go throw some pancakes, folks.